So, how did you guys arrive at creating a documentary about Matt? Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know why, you know, I, I don't know the reasons why they didn't stop it. And they explained it with picture evidence and stuff. And they show, like, the really, really old one, the super offensive version. I'm wearing a ball gown. Well, they're, they're seeing your, your, your lovely icon, so I just leave oh, it yeah. like that. That one. Tinkerbell. She yeah. is wearing a top, folks. It's just... Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a super yeah. offensive version. There's, there's a handful of those super offensive ones. Yeah. This evening, this conversation. need to finish conversation. that with the... Uh, so to With speak. the magazine. Ahem. <laughs> with so the magazine. Spoiler alert. You're listening to the Comics Online Podcast. Season 13. Episode 26. Mad Documentarians. Recorded April 18th, 2013. This episode, Kevin Dune and Marianne are joined by Doug Guilford and Alan Bernstein, who are filming a documentary about Mad Magazine and its effect on our culture. Hello again and welcome to the Comics Online Podcast. Season 13, episode 26. I'm your host, Kevin Goswan, and with me today, as usual, is my co-host, Dune Murderous. Hey! And with us once again is Marianne Butler. Hi! And today, uh, for the first time, we've got a couple of very special guests. Uh, We have uh, a couple of folks, a couple of documentarians, if you will. We've got Doug Guilford. Hello. And Alan Bernstein. Hello, hello. So, um, you guys are, uh, are, are doing a, uh, a, a Mad Magazine documentary. Um, Wait, I thought we were doing it on Cracked. Never mind. Oh, <laughs> I knew that was going to come up eventually. Those oh, guys, those right guys right have got a great website these days. Every it's day. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've, uh, they've turned it around, haven't they? They really have. Yeah, but they, I would but, argue but, you know, they it's, just it's, kept it's, the momentum rolling, and they always had it. It's, uh, But it's nowhere near what the magazine was. It's not even uh, looking like yes. the magazine whatsoever. There's name, name only. Name only. Strictly name only. Yeah, yeah. history facts. Oh, it's somebody like taking, history. It's like, <laughs> it's like having the National Review by Mad Magazine and, and just use the name. <laughs> no one will read that. Yeah, no, probably not. No one reads it now. I'm kidding. What what is the National Review anyway? <clears throat> that sounds anyway, like yeah. politics. Politics and and uh, and bookmaking. I think it is. All right. So, uh, so how did you guys arrive at uh, creating a, a documentary about Mad? Well, Alan, Alan, uh, Alan will need to start this one off since he's the one who's, who came up with this brilliant idea. I'm kind of the, the, the ringleader in this, this whole uh, scheme of mine. Uh, I've actually been wanting to do one for about 20 years or so, and um, the impetus was is that I'm a big fan. I started reading when I was six, and uh, I just kind of became obsessed with it. And in due time, I became obsessed with the people behind it, the, the artists and writers who, who uh, contributed to it. And essentially what happened, um, I kept reading obituaries 
regarding uh, our, the the core group of artists and writers, and I, I thought that you know we're we're losing some important stories because I think Matt is uh, Matt is a key piece in in the shaping of uh, American culture over the past sixty years, and no one was collecting these interviews from these people, and so I had the opportunity to uh, to sit down with. Uh, Al Feldstein, who was the the second editor of Mad, and there during its tenure when it became the icon that it is, and uh, and that just kind of got the ball rolling. I, I realized, I sat down, I interviewed him. I realized I could do this, um, and I just started seeking out uh, the uh, any of the other artists and writers that I could that would sit down with me. And Doug found out about this, and apparently. He's uh, independently wealthy and decided to <laughs> tag along. And, that always uh, helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just I say that I, I have a, I have some mad money laying around. Oh, yeah. No, that's no, that's it's not true. No. Uh, but I, I did, I, I did get. Uh, he, he did cross my radar when he. He were you were attending the same show that I was going to attend for. John John Hett's uh, exhibit at the Eastern Michigan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, he, Eastern Michigan University was putting on a an exhibition uh, that was that was brought, put together by a, another mad collector who lives in uh, near me in Michigan, the Michigan area, and um, he he was bringing in Al Feldstein as as kind of a special guest to talk about this subject. And, and the subject was the, the history of the Alfred E. Newman image. Um, whether I don't know if you know or not, but the, the image of Alfred goes dates uh, far earlier than, than the publication of MAD. Where did it come uh, Mad, from? That, well, that's that, and that's, that was the, that was the uh, intent of this exhibit. Um, the, the MAD answer, if you ask the, the folks at MAD where Alfred came from, they kind of stop around... The late 1800s, uh, early 1900s, uh, where Alfred is used, the, the face of Alfred is used as a as an advertisement for painless dentistry. Didn't and hurt a bit. Didn't hurt a bit. You know, it's got the kid with the gap tooth and uh, smiling, and and, uh, and that's that's the kind of accepted answer that Mad runs with. And this other uh, friend of ours, this collector, John Hett, he uh, did some research. And I, I believe he's actually got it spot on. And uh, he's found he's found anti-Irish immigrant propaganda uh, political cartoons from the from the from the 18th, I think it goes back as far as the 1880s. And there are these images that it, that it's it's purely meant to be anti-Irish propaganda. But if you look at it, you go that. That's Alfred. That's his face. It's, it's scary how how close the the images are to the modern day Alfred. It looks so much like Shane McGowan from the Pogues when he was young too. <laughs> and uh, and I just linked just not as drunk. Chat. Yeah, well maybe. But uh, the <laughs> the reason I know about all this history of Alfred E. Newman is because of an article on Cracked. Oh, there you go. Oh. I just linked to it on there, but there's a whole in-depth article about it, and they explain it with picture evidence and stuff, and they show like the really, really old one, the super offensive version. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a super yeah. offensive version. There's there's a handful of those super offensive ones. Yeah, 
So, so, so uh, to make this this long story even longer, uh, the, John had brought this exhibit to Eastern University and brought in Al Feldstein to talk about <clears throat> his time at MAD and the and the image of Alfred. And uh, I attended. I actually brought a couple of my own pieces in for the exhibit, and uh, and Doug. His, I didn't uh, bring any pieces, but I, but I, I told John you got to, you've got Alf Feldstein there. I have to come, so I, I, it was like three or four days to, to grab the plane ticket and, and make my way there, and really froze our asses off, as I recall. It was really cold at that time of year, and we um, really stopped doing that outdoors. Yeah, wow. it's. So, so I don't know what he was complaining about. It was June twenty fifth, <laughs> but that's where I met Alan and got a got an inkling of what he was up to. I don't think you'd done any interviews at that point, right? I had not. Yeah. But shortly no, I, after, Al was the first one. But so then, and, and for some reason, you you kind of uh, you kind of took to it, and then well, you, you did you did like you have to re- refresh my memory now. You did four to six interviews without me. And then, and then that was like Jack Davis, Sergio Aragones. Mm-hmm. Al Feldstein. I did another, I did another sit down with uh, Al Feldstein. Uh, Don Edwing, who was a writer and now, now he's a writer artist. Uh, Nick Meglin, who was, was an editor as well. So <clears throat> I interviewed them and then I, I, I arranged for a number of interviews in the Los Angeles area. So I'm, I'm based in, in the Portland, Oregon area, and that's a little closer to home. And I, I just basically invited myself to the, to the interviews that were going to be happening with Larry Siegel, Arnie Kogan, uh, let's see, Arnie Kogan's son, um, Jay. Jay. And let's see, there was, Tom Cook. There was Frank Jacobs. Now Frank, I helped. And these these are all mainly these are all mainly writers for Matt. Frank Frank, I helped you get a hold of. That was my mm-hmm. my only connection that I could actually offer to the project at that point. And I just basically muscled my way in and said, I I believe in what you're doing, and let's let me see what I can help you with. So that's that's where it landed, and that was in. That was in 1971. No way. <laughs> that was that was a couple of years ago. Yeah, like, the amazing thing about when you don't have a budget is how quickly time flies. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was two years ago, and uh, and then since then we we did a a New York trip. Actually, that was going on three years ago. About two years ago. Now we were we did a New York trip. And we interviewed ten artists and writers. Some of the big, you know, some of the, you know, Al Jaffe and Mort Drucker. Mort Drucker, who, who uh, is the the definition of, uh, um, you know, caricature in this this last half century. Um, and that's and and uh, Doug was integral in lining that up and getting us the space to do these interviews. And so, and I've never yeah. been to New York, so I had to do it all off of contacts with. Uh, some of the current writers, and I think I even well, I didn't really get the staff involved at that point. But there, there are a lot of fans of 
the magazine who just happened to be contributors to the magazine, and they were kind of believing in what we were doing too. So helps to have this this network of people behind you. Yeah. So I, I've seen your your trailer already, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and that was really well put together. And and uh, uh, remind me is is that an ongoing Kickstarter? Is that current or or is that uh... <clears throat> Kickstarter? Our Kickstarter campaign ended uh, February eleventh. Is that when it ended? Yeah. yeah. So um, the the fundraising is an ongoing. Affair, <laughs> but uh, not necessarily through Kickstarter. So, um, uh, yeah, we're we're still we're still so searching did that not other come avenues for you. Then it did. Yeah, it, big, uh, it big was. Time. Okay. It was. Uh, I mean, the, the the truth of the matter is, is that had it not come through, uh, we would have had to have shut down for for a while. I don't know what we would have done because uh, up until that point, it was all out of pocket, and the pocket was empty. I, um, apparently, a lint is not an accepted form of currency in America. Right. So, so, uh, so, so thankfully, so the what do you started. still have to work on? I mean, obviously, you've got a, a, a ton of content already. Uh, what still remains uh, content-wise, and what still remains editing-wise? Well, there's there's still a number of uh, mad contributors who we want to interview. My goal originally was was to. to Sit down with as many of the the usual gang of idiots as they're as they're referred to as I could until I took a look at Doug's list of contributors that he put on his website and I realized that that's simply not going to happen. Um, yeah, but as far as the the core group that that is is mostly associated with Mad throughout the years, um, there's so there's still a handful of them. Uh, we 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 uh, were recently granted permission to interview the staff at MAD, uh, the editorial department, um, which is which is great because we want to hear their stories as well. Some of those guys have been with the magazine for thirty years plus, um, so they've they've definitely got a perspective on the you know that era up to the present day. I mean, they're, they they were there for the transition in terms of. You know, when when Mad was the only game in town, to Mad is uh, is is you know just surrounded by cracked, various, cracked, and, and and other forms of media that uh, is doing exactly what Mad has done for so long, and and uh, they're they're doing it in their own way. So so it'll be interesting to hear their side of the story as far as the challenges that they've faced that uh, were were not around. In the fifties and sixties, when Mad was was, uh, but but the the other part of this is the other part of this is is trying to talk to the folks who are willing to admit that they've been influenced by Mad. So we're talking about the Stephen Colberts and the John Stewarts and the oh. Howard the Howard Stearns, the Steven Spielbergs, the the George Lucases. Okay. So, and and the and the the and the uh, Irving Fernbushes of uh, of Cleveland, Ohio. But I don't know if his interview will be as uh, dynamic as the others. But but that's the thing is, you know, people ask us what's our timeline, and and uh, the the documentary is not strictly the history of Mad. The documentary is the history of Mad as well as its influence. And uh, depending on if and when we can sit down with these 
the, you know, the, the folks that we've mentioned and, and others, that's going to tell us when we can finish this project. So this is going to be like an eight-hour document. <laughs> so this will be like a like a PBS special. This will be good. I, you know, you, you got, you, you know, during their uh, pledge, I mean, week, can, they'll what, offer can, the, the the eight hours. Well, you know, Ken the, Burns took took fourteen weeks to tell us about <laughs> baseball. I think uh, yeah. I think Matt is certainly worthy of at least eight hours of our time. Why not? I'm into it. <laughs> I, just last yeah. night, I was watching Nova for the first time in years, and it was like, oh, the first. Four billion years, of, or not billion, million. Four, the first four million years of Australia in real so, time. Yeah, right. No, no. I, I was. I watched the Age of the Fishes. It was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and of course, that was like yeah. whatever. You know, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> if we, if we, yeah. I mean, if we if we run long, we might have to preempt the wonderful world of steam. But that you know, I think PBS might cut us some slack on that. Hopefully, yeah. Sounds like a good time. I mean, it, it, it seems like something that, oh, everybody likes, Matt, or, or has. They might not currently subscribe or read it, but, you know, they must have had a time in their lives where they got every issue for a couple of years at least. And, and you know what? And, and if they didn't, their brother did or their sister did. And yeah. now their parents did. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I fully get that, that Matt is a – is but a snapshot in the lifespan of, of you know kids growing up the last sixty years, but it 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 could very well have been an important moment of their time where you know this was their first exposure to questioning authority. Um, it was their first exposure to to satire in general, and and uh, you know whether or not they were subscribers, whether or not they were collectors. Some sometimes that you know a little bit of that sticks with you, and and um, and that's what this documentary is. That's one of the things this documentary is is directed towards. It's, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people don't realize that Mad. Uh, you can thank Mad for the parodies of song lyrics. Uh, you know, the there was this whole Irving Berlin uh, lawsuit against Mad back in the early '60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. 64, 65. Basically, the finding came down to you can change the words to song lyrics and not get in trouble. You're not putting the music, the sheet music out there to to republish, but you can certainly have fun with with lyrics out there. We we just take it for granted because it's all out there now. It's just commonplace. So today's uh, parody types your your weird al and you know yeah. everybody else uh, weird, weird al especially that's, he's a major yeah. fan of man you know, his whole career is based on it yeah to a certain degree he's he's quite the talent himself but uh you know he really thanks man for his ability to actually uh get away with the satire yeah all right you know and i think uh, i recall a stephen colbert um uh, I know that he's been a he's been influenced by Matt. He brought Al Jaffe on for his was it the ninetieth birthday episode uh, where he where he folded a cake. <laughs> you know, he didn't actually bring him on, but he but he he uh, did a, did a tribute to him. Then he folded a cake. Uh, I think that was that spoke very highly of you know that that mad mindset. So interesting. So, uh, 
How, one more thing, Howard Stern, you know, throughout his career has championed Mad. He's had flashes he, he, of the, I don't. I don't think a week goes by where he doesn't bring up Mad in, in some in some respect. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, no, man, I, I, love, I love it when they, I grew they up with that. And, you know, back in the uh, what was it, the Private Parts movie? Uh, intentionally try to put a, a magazine cover in the shot. You know, when he's when he's laying on a couch reading a Mad. Uh, it might be on the screen for two seconds total, but that's that's how he gets his tribute in. So, so Doug, you've been doing the uh, <coughs> madcoversite.com uh, since 1997, so basically <laughs> 16 years now. Um, yeah. And so you, so this was the, the intention was to to be something of a. Uh, a wiki before of course that actually was a thing um yeah all about mad uh it it started out innocently enough i think i i basically was the magazine collector i'm not i'm not a i call it the, the junk collecting you know that all the surrounding stuff that some of the harder core fans would would collect i was not into that much i was strictly after trying to complete the regular magazine collection and once i'd done that I, I i thought to myself well this new internet thing has come about i'll scan these issues and put them online and you know help other collectors find what they're missing and that that was really the the whole impetus to the thing and, and so it, this started out a a, a mad cover site but I, you know, I've, I've read through it, and it's it's got a, kind of a nice community feel for it, where people will come to you or or come to you and the community that already exists there, and say, "Hey, you know, I remember this thing in my childhood, uh, mm-hmm. this mad uh, something, you know, whether it's a, a, a feature or just a tiny cartoon, um, and it, you know, and this is what I remember about it." Where can I find that again? And I love that stuff. I, I I I love it when people quiz me like this. And if I if I can't find out the answer myself, I you know now through Facebook and other other means, I can enlist a whole bunch of other equally mad people out there. And in some cases, the the current editorial staff. That's awesome. To, to to help me out or help help the whole community out. Try to try to find. Whatever is uh, just burdening somebody's brain out there. So, um, nice. it, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's it's been a a great hobby. I never thought it would would develop into what it has. It's, uh, yeah, I remember it, my my earliest um, Mad magazines that I had. I remember. I remember uh, the, the the parody of uh, Empire Strikes Back, and I remember one with, uh, of all things, you know, as a child, this made no sense. It was a, not of any interest, but Kramer versus Kramer. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, Dustin Hoffman in a, a movie that yeah, kids that was, that not was, care about. That was Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> and that's and that's and that's uh, something that you don't see in the current Mad is, is the willingness to satirize 
movies and and uh, well, especially movies now that that aren't has that gone away? The blockbuster. No, no, they're still they're still doing some things. They're, they're still doing they're still doing yeah, but but it, but it's got to be it's got to be the blockbuster. It you know it you, you won't. You don't really necessarily see the, the the Kramer versus Kramer's type type of film, you know. Um, you certainly didn't see some of the, you know, the the seventies wave of films that came in. It seems like they were doing everything at that point because they were the only thing in town doing parody like that. So you'd, you'd have five easy five easy uh, pages, and um, you'd have it's Easy Rider and and. Uh, it was it was great not to mention the Odd Father and, and there's so many landmark films of that era, and some really off the wall. Maybe you could even call them underground films at that point. So, is Paris boring? You know, so um, you know, things that you'd have to really actually look up today to find out what they were about. But that that's and that uh, you know whether or not they 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 satirize those types of movies today the the, the the ethos is still the same, which is, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to satirize what we think is worthy. And if, uh, if the readers want to uh, come along with us, they're welcome to, but we're not going to, we're not going to talk down to them. And uh, it, I mean, I, you know, you, you, you said how you didn't fully get Kramer versus Kramer because obviously it wasn't a movie directed at uh, someone your age. But, right. but if you wanted to read it and you wanted to get the jokes, it was it was a cha- they, it, they were kind of challenging you to uh, to step up your your knowledge of the world around you to get the jokes. Yeah, and you might you might have been a twelve or thirteen year old kid, but you were you were still you know once you got past the Don Martin the spy versus spy, you you may have glanced at well, what does this actually mean in this panel of this adult movie that I don't quite get. Sure. You know, and then years later, it, it dawns on you. Oh, well, that's what they meant, right? And you know, and the same thing went for uh, uh, the political uh, lampooning. Oh, yeah, especially you know, the political. Because the thing especially. is, you know, as a kid in the seventies, I did not know. You know, I, I'm a kid. I don't know anything about politics. You know, I've heard some names and whatnot, and I remember. I don't know if it was a if it was a special issue or it was um, just you know something around election time or whatever but i remember a uh, uh, a mad issue that was all about politics and i you know devoured the entire thing and you know it it actually educated me in in a mad sort of way um about you know who these people were and what the world at large thought of them i think that's why mad was as successful as it was because uh, it, it, I mean, it, it definitely, it definitely had the silliness of Don Martin and uh, the simplicity, yet, you know, yet political spy versus spy, and and, but but you also had you know these political jokes about uh, the world of politics and politicians and and you know what they're saying is just simply not true or or completely disingenuous. And uh, if you wanted to, like I said, if you wanted to get what they were talking about, you had to step up to them. You had to you had to learn about these people, and 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 that's a, and you know I think the people who become the mad readers 
are the ones who openly question what these jokes were about. I remember asking my parents, well, who is this, who is this Spiro Agnew guy that they keep talking about? <laughs> and I mean, Oh, now and, you're dating yourself. Well, well, <laughs> the truth, the truth is, is that, well, I mean, yeah, I am, but, but these were actually through, through back issues that I had started. Yeah. He was purchasing. like five at the time. Was I was five. Who is this Spiro Agnew? No, I mean, <laughs> you know, I was eight, but still what eight year old in 19, 19- 80 cares about Spiro Agnew, but you know, you're, I'm, I'm starting at this point, starting to collect these back issues and I'm trying to understand what these jokes were. And, uh, you came away, you know, you came away with something if you were, if you were, if you stuck it out. And I think those who didn't stick it out were the, didn't really question what Mad was saying. They just thought, Oh yeah, there's that thing in the back. We could fold it in and it says something funny. And then there's that guy with the funny feet and other than that, it's a bunch of movies and things that I don't get. And, and those were the casual; those were the, the, the people who uh, just, you know, they, they saw their issue of Mad, and they moved on. And but I think the ones who stuck it out and the ones who got became affected by it were the ones who who asked the questions and and, and learned from it. I was going to say, with those of us who become infected by it, that too. I mean, the, the the truth of the matter is, and and again, we're 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 talking about Mad Magazine, so so I'm not trying to turn this into a the 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 PBS eight hour uh, dramathon, but I I truly believe that Mad through the years, it's in, in its collected form, is a history of American culture, in. It, throughout its pages, it, it's not—it's not the same history that you would get in a, a textbook at school, but it is nonetheless a chronicle of of uh, who we were and wh- you know what what people and events were taking place during these times. And um, you know, you're obviously not learning the the full uh, historical fact of what happened, but Matt is giving you. A sense of uh, the events and people of these times, and I think those, I think their history is just as legitimate as uh, as as any other. It's probably it's probably no um, small thing that the their their circulation topped at right around the Watergate and Vietnam of the. Just post post sixties, just barely, you know, like seventy two, wasn't it, Alan? Um, yeah, so yeah, the uh, the the Poseidon Adventure issue was two million two million copies sold. Yeah, so, so you know, this was very tumultuous time in America. They had so so many topics to, to poke fun at in their, in their way. You know, we were we were talking about how it's not necessarily funny. You know, it, it was it was pointed commentary. Um, it's it's bizarre because so many people think that it, it was a, a kids magazine. I really I really believe that, and maybe it started out attracting kids like that. But you, you can't deny that you know, when you see a Johnny comes marching home again with a a, a out of his mind uh, soldier carrying a syringe. Instead of a rifle? Instead of a rifle, the crowds are cheering, but they're not quite cheering. They're kind of, kind of 
everybody's looking a little lost. Right. Not not something to laugh at, but something to think about. And so uh, yeah. well, often that's, tell, that's tell more me, what they've brought us. Tell me how a 12 or 13-year-old kid is going to process that. Yeah, true yeah. enough. So, uh, so for the two of you, and then I want to mm-hmm. uh, involve uh, Dune and Marianne again. Uh, Shut up. For the first time. <laughs> uh, but uh, what were your, your first memories of Mad Magazine? Uh, let's, let's start with uh, Doug. Well, I've told the babysitter story quite a few times. but I, I, I read it on Penthouse Forum. <laughs> exactly. I think that was the basis of Risky Business, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think literally a, a friend of the family brought an issue over, and it was the Godfather issue from 1972. I forgot the number, 155, I think. Alright. Um and right now you sound like you're going through the Led Zeppelin phaser. You sound like you sound like uh mm-hmm. the, the, the your your audio is sounding like it's uh being recorded while playing Moby Dick. <laughs> trying to stand still. Yeah. What you mean in the entryway of Headley Grange? <laughs> of course. What? Pulling it out there, Mary. <laughs> Sorry. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> she uh, she in, is anyway, a font of music knowledge. I would, ah, I would have been about uh, seven years old. And I don't remember anything other than the most obvious wordless cartoons, probably Don Martin or Sergio Aragones being or in the fold-in. You know, that sure. fold-in was fascinating. To fold something that's a very, very you, you, a physical way of becoming uh, entertained by a magazine. You know? it's, it's just brilliant in its simplicity. But yet, as a kid, you're really connected to that, that act of folding. And, yeah. and so it, it, went, it went from there. And I, I think... I saw other issues. I think I saw a compendium of Don Martin cartoons that had come out. And at some point, I started buying issues. And it must have a collector's gene or something because at another point, I had to have all the issues. And it was much easier, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s, to, to collect issues of the magazine. For one thing, you didn't have 520 issues like they have today. Sure. So there, there's that. Um, and there was actually, a ton of collectors. Right. Well, that plus you also had comic book stores that actually kept back issues <clears> older, <throat> than, older than two weeks. Yeah. There was no eBay, so um, which is actually comparatively easier now, but at the time you could just travel around Portland, Seattle area and 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 comic conventions that might come to town and 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 pick up all your issues. And that's and that's what happened. It was it was that simple. So Alright. And Alan? Yeah. Uh I uh I mean it's it, this the story is fairly similar. I um 
was on vacation with my parents. I was six years old. We were visiting California, and we were in a drugstore, and I was quite honestly looking for a coloring book or something just to occupy the time, and I saw this mad on the shelf, super special number 18, uh, I remember, and uh, I just thought it looked kind of funky. This is kind of cool. Yeah, the, you know, unfortunately, some some uh, some jerk had already folded in the fold in and left the issue back on the newsstand but you know what did i know then i just thought it was kind of funky and uh so you know my my parents got it for me and i I think the funny thing is is that they never i don't remember them at any point ever you know saying having an opinion on it I, i have to believe they knew what mad was but they certainly didn't express any kind of uh, you don't want to read that trash or you know oh, this is this is brilliant material you know it was it was none of that so uh, so I got my issue and I, I you know read it while on vacation and you know a month and a half later or whatever we're we're back home going through the drugstore again for some reason and I see there's another issue on the newsstand and and uh, well that's kind of cool there's this thing there's more they keep coming out with these things. <laughs> So I'll get another one and try that. And and uh, I think Doug is right. I think there is a collector gene that people have. There are, there are those who hoard and there are those who don't. And uh, I want to get back to, the, to your parents for a second. My parents were similar in that they, they didn't have an opinion about it either. I, I can't tell you how many people over the years have visited my site and they tell me this sad story about how their their mother threw away their collection you know, they, they had something up in the attic, and our mom cleaned out the attic. And it's just tragic. Oh, think, yeah. Well, it's probably, I could tell the story all, over and over and over again, but to have great parents who, maybe they just were dumb. I don't know. <laughs> you said it, not me. I well, I mean, I mean in a good way. <laughs> they, did, they didn't see any threat. You know, not that there was ever a threat, but they did you know, for the times... Either that, they're just completely neglectful in their parental duties and (laughs) choosing proper reading material for their children. I don't know. (laughs) I think I was lucky in that same way. I just, uh, you know, I was always, you know, above the reading level of my peers, and so I, you know, I would get these things, you know, like Mad or like uh, novels that were supposedly above my station and, uh, you know, and read them and read them over and over and, and got more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yes, I have that collector's gene too. I have around 20,000 comic books, not a ton of magazines. Mm-hmm. But, uh, in fact, I probably, I, I would be surprised if I, if I have any mad anymore. Let's see. For me, it's the exact opposite. Uh, I was all, I was strictly mad. I, you know, I, I I enjoyed comic books, but I just I never got into collecting them. And uh, my my link to some of my my friends who were comic collectors was just the fact that we were collecting printed material. But other than that, we really didn't have you know much to share because they were they were collecting their their Spider Man and uh, <clears throat> Titans, and you know I was strictly have mad. A bit of crossover. I mean. You know, even if you just say, you know, Sergio Aragonis, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, with his Gru and, and other comics over the years, um, mm-hmm. you know, and just constant presence at MAD. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
you know, and he, he, you know, as a longtime San Diego Comic-Con goer, um, this year is going to be my 29th. Uh, you know, I, I've seen him there probably every year my whole life. Um, yeah, he, from what I understand, he's he's one of the regulars as far as touring the comic. Yeah, I mean, the, when I when I interviewed him, he was in Detroit for a comic for the Motor City Comic Con. And uh, that's how I was able to sit down with him. He he uh, had some extra time, so yeah, he 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 travels the the uh, uh, I lost my train. But he he travels the uh, the comic book uh, convention scene quite a bit. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I've seen him. In and Al Feldstein has been doing that quite a bit too lately. So, <laughs> so Dune. Yeah. So, uh, what was your first uh, mad memory? Um, fuck. The only thing I really remember reading was one of the uh, Star Wars ones in the late 90s in Mammoth Lakes during the summer in a hammock. Based most of my life around hammocks <laughs> and napping good and, one. and tropical drinks as I'm drinking now a, uh, a tangerine juice-based cocktail. But, uh... Is that like a degree from San Diego State in, in napping? Uh, here's the secret. We don't really go to college. We're just too excited about napping. Oh, there you go. We sleep on the you beach, go. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah that's just my memory. So, 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 so interesting, the, to me anyway, maybe nobody else, but what was it? About mad or let's see, what can I phrase? I don't know why I'm asking the question, but but somebody who's just a very casual, maybe one-time reader of the magazine, why would you not continue? Uh, I feel like everything I would ever say about it would be offensive directly to you on a personal level. <laughs> well, especially if you go, I don't understand why you assholes are sticking around with this. Yes, I would get that. But if you, if you, if you phrase it a little more broadly, maybe you wouldn't. Um, well, I, I, it was, you know, competing with me at, at coming of age after the, uh, or the age of like an interrupted nap time is more than anything. After uh, the 90s, like, comics boom. So mm-hmm, I could read mm-hmm. actual comics instead and stuff. Sure. But I just remember at the time as a kid thinking the humor felt very stale despite parodying current things. In, in, the, in the 90s? Yeah, yeah. It felt like a, like a, I just remember at the time, like, just being like, eh, yeah, no, I get the joke you're making. Well, but, well so let me ask you this. Did it feel stale because, because, well, obviously not because you were a mad reader. So it's not like you were. It was it was stale because you had read it through Mad a hundred times. But it was stale because that style of humor had become so prevalent on television, and and uh, even, you know even radio hosts or whatever. I mean, is, the, is, is that where the staleness it, it came felt, from? It felt dated. It felt like a uh, like like a one of the worst like Mel Brooks movies and stuff and that sort of thing. But then again, at the, the at that time also, I hated like uh jim carrey so i just hate everything what the hell am i talking about (laughs) (laughs) but i I just remember at the time just being like oh it's 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 like as a kid like you know 11 and stuff being like oh these are jokes aimed at like my grandpa and stuff okay well it is 60 years old yeah no no i was reading the current ones I read a few, but then I went back to X-Men and what you, and what you're and what I think you're talking about is that I think I'm exact... talking about the 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 
uh, reissuing of the original Star Wars trilogy when they put them out in theaters again and they had the whole surge way prior to Phantom Menace and stuff. I want to say like 97 maybe. Oh, so okay, okay. So, 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 the, so you were, the subject matter itself was dated. Uh, Even though you were reading it for the first time in the 90s, you were still reading a satire on episode four, which, you know, 20 years yeah, later, yeah, every joke you could Star ever Wars think of had already been out. Yeah, yeah, but I was into Star Wars like crazy. Okay. Yeah. It's good times. Yeah. I think, but I, you know, I, I kind of think that's the challenge that Matt has right now is is that it's it's trying to, uh, it's trying to be funny in a, in a in a time when everyone else is trying to be funny. And... There's there's a, an immediacy with the Daily Shows and the Howard Stern shows that any, Mad any, simply physically any, cannot do. Anything on the internet, it's instant, instant, instant. You know, they they run into a problem. You know, even even publishing a magazine, period, because you know it's not as instantaneous. They have to really think about what they can do every two months. You know, that, and fortunately, they've gone into uh, doing an online presence, which they're they're still ironing ironing out the, the details with, but they they do do content, fresh content every day. And um, I, think I noticed that they they tried to they're trying to appeal to the internet thing, doing the same thing as cracked and stuff, and a lot yeah, of websites yeah. where you're doing the list form because exactly people are too uh, mm-hmm. lazy to actually read. Paragraph, unless the paragraph is. This is what the paragraph's about. Is that interesting? Well, okay, scroll I, down. What's the next one? I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the evolution where it's literally just the title of the list, and the list isn't included. <laughs> Here's a list of ten things that we think is really funny, and you're either going to think that's a, that would be a funny list, or it's not a funny list. But you don't get to read the list because you don't have time for that. Yeah, yeah. My buddies used to write in a shitty humor magazine to college, and uh, they had their lists of lists that they didn't do lists of. <laughs> UCSG. And some of them are really good. Yeah, 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 the koala. The koala. Oh, now that's a that was a funny fucking paper. I used to write for the koala back in the day, Kevin. Really? Yeah. That was the it was your college. Uh, no, I didn't yeah. go to college. <laughs> he went to SDSU for a semester or four. Yeah, somewhere in between there. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I did a stab at it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> so, uh, so Marianne. What was your first exposure? This evening, you need to this finish that with the uh, so with speak. the magazine. Ahem, with so the magazine. Well, they're, they're seeing your 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 lovely icon, so I just leave. Oh it yeah, like that that one. Tinkerbell. She yeah. is wearing a top, folks. It's just I'm wearing a ball gown. Up. All I have is a big question mark. I don't have it. I'm not seeing a damn oh, thing. So- Oh, that's a shame, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so to answer the question posed, uh, my my dad was really into humor always. Like, it was required viewing in our household to know pretty much any Monty Python sketch ever. Hmm. And he so was... your dad was 15 when you... <laughs> <laughs> he, um... <laughs> He was very into comedy. He loved the monkeys and just things of that nature. Anything that would make him laugh was a big deal. That's actually what he called NWA. He was very, very set in his ways, old man. (laughs) (laughs) He had lots and lots of boxes of Mad from when he was younger. And, I mean, he 
was never really a collector collector, but he would keep the issues that he purchased. And I was able to read through them and, you know, get to laugh at the jokes with him. I, I can't say that I ever found them as not being poignant, but I always found them interesting and I, I, that's how I got into it was I just read them because they were around. Yeah. Everyone has their, everyone has their gateway. Yeah. So, uh, so you guys collected mad, but did you, did you collect, uh, cracked crazy? Any of the others? Cracked was cracked was the magazine you bought when you were you were uh, on the road with your parents on vacation and there wasn't a mad available and they just needed something to shut you up. So it was it was the uh, for me it was it was kind of like the the surrogate the all right you know we just need to it was mad methadone to, it, it was it was, yeah, <laughs> it was we're trying to we're trying to slowly wean you off of this with with yeah. worse humor. I would have gone to RC Cola, but okay. Yeah. I just found myself never really ever being interested enough in the other publications. I think I was aware of them, but I I wouldn't actively go out and buy them. It seems like there was a fourth one as well that I'm not remembering. It's like Sick. Sick. There was a a wacko that was out for, for two weeks. There was, there was the uh, episode of The Simpsons where Homer referenced Weird Magazine and discovers it's Wired. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Weird. That's funny. No, but, uh, yeah, Crazy was Marvel. Crazy was Marvel's attempt at Mad, and, and I think they'll openly admit it. That's what they were trying to do. Oh, of course. You know, it's obvious. Um, and that you know, didn't go I mean, very long. Maybe five years at the most, I would guess. Honestly, I don't know, yeah. and I don't know why. You know, I, I don't know the reasons why they didn't stop it, or, or they did stop it. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it was a. I guess maybe it was a an era where you know you you had you had one that cornered the market, and that's all you needed, and that's all there was room for. I don't know. Yeah. Well, obviously, it was enough <clears throat> to keep uh, a couple extras going for a while. Obviously, cracked. Um, went for for quite a few years Mm -hmm. um and cracked actually cracked actually had through its through its evolution cracked actually went through a number of former mad contributors um john i forget i never knew how to pronounce his name severin 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 he was he was an, an originally an ec artist uh before and during mad and i actually think he might have i don't know if, if he might have done any actual mad artwork but he he was a he was a long time cracked contributor i think back in yeah. the very very early comic book um form of the of the magazine of mad yeah of mad yeah, and then very early then, uh, in the i think in the late 80s early 90s lou silverstone who was who was one of mad's most prolific writers for the longest time he went over to uh cracked and was the editor while it was still a magazine so you know it's not you know it's not like it was absolutely uh this taboo thing that that you know had voldemort implications if you mentioned its name in public <laughs> sure it wasn't but, a Marvel uh, versus dc thing yeah, it, 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 it is was. kind of fun to set up some sort of rivalry you know that has that's been fun to uh, espouse all these years. Uh, that, uh, they hated each other somehow. 
I don't think they ever were. I think they Mad was too Mad was too busy publishing Mad. Yeah, the, the Mad cracked softball games always ended in a bloodbath. It was just yeah. not pretty. <laughs> so, uh, so beyond these, uh, beyond Mad Magazine, um, what uh, you know? What other uh, pop culture things do you uh, do you two? Um, are, are you collectors of anything else, whether it be comic books or uh, DVDs, anything like that? Doug, go ahead. Um, you know, not so much. I, I'm, I'm a very big music fan. I, I, I try to stay somewhat current with the trends and some alternative rock music, if you want to call it that. But Like you know, Biebs? Who's that? <laughs> like Justin Bieber? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I, I you know probably a, a love for some of the '70s punk stuff that you know has gone. All... He, Doug goes old school. He's NKOTB all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Thank you so much. Um, oh, so I I did some radio in college, and you know I I like uh, just. Everything about some of the the rock side of the music spectrum, but but as far as collecting, you know, that's Mad's been about it, and uh, um, you know, as far as the, I, I remember really having a love for the for the Batman television series, and you know, Adam Adam West and that whole that whole thing. I think that. Has a few parallels that I just thought about right now with Matt in a lot of ways. It seemed like such a uh, you know, parody of comic books at the, of the time. Yeah, and definitely. I, never, I remember a lot yeah. of, and, and those were the issues that I would buy if it were a, uh, you know, if I saw on the cover, oh, this is, you know, it, I've got a parody of a comic book I like or a parody of. Uh, you know whether it's Star Wars or ET or whatever sci-fi blockbuster that I'm into already. That's th- those were the the Mads and even Cracks and Crazies that I would buy. Mm-hmm. If there was a tie into it to a superhero, something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's say I was like that with uh, with film. I you know I my my two passions were Mad and uh, filmmaking and. Uh, you know, I started collecting, you know, movie posters. And, you know, as a kid, Spielberg was the man. Spielberg could do no wrong. And, and you know, between Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark, those were the two movies that, you know, told me what I wanted to be as a, you know, as an adult, as a filmmaker. And so I started collecting, you know, the one sheets and the, and the sure. press kits and the, the half sheets and the quarter sheets and the lobby cards. And, and so... Uh, lately though, and actually, actually for a spell, especially like around, you know, when I went to college, uh, I actually kind of lost track of mad for a little bit. Um, but, um, now there's, I just don't have room to collect things anymore. I collect my mad. I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for, you know, if they put out a book that I have, you know, 12,000 reprints of it already, I'll buy it again anyway. I'm a sucker that way. You know, they've got a brand new one now. Did you get yours yet, uh, Alan, the, uh, the artist edition? Yeah, I did. I did. Should, we should pretty, talk, which is pretty uh, talk about that for a second. 
the artist's edition. Well, uh, when when uh, I, I imagine you understand and you know this, you know when the artists draw their artwork for the comic books and Mad and I and or Mad, they draw things at twice the size. Yeah. Um, and uh, the artist's edition. I'm not sure who the publisher is putting this out, but what they did was is they they uh, collected some of the early mad as a comic book art. Uh, and it's not, not just strictly from an issue number one, there's, there's a handful and they reprinted it in its full original art size. So you can, uh, you can look through this book and it's huge. It's, I don't know. It's it's like six feet tall by 14 feet wide and you open it up (laughs) and, um, yeah, it, it, it takes 14 people to actually open it. But, uh, it's got you're. It's basically you're looking at a reprint of the original artwork. You know, you can see the, the paper that you know with with the pre-printed borders that that the artist uses gauge and and whatnot. So it's a, it's oh. it's it's okay. a new way to look at the same material you know, you've seen a thousand times, but you've never seen it in this in its true original format before, which so is I really have pretty- the answer here, and I would have guessed this anyway. This is uh, produced by IDW. This is a, a comic company out of San Diego, and they uh, they they're, were known originally for um, doing uh, comics based on licensed properties. Some of their early stuff was like CSI. They did comic books about you know the CSI TV show um, mm. and various other CSI things. CSI San Diego coming your way just about. Um, but that you know they did uh no that you know they they did you know using the likenesses of of uh all the actors that were that were on the show in the early mm-hmm. uh episodes and uh you know and various other ones as well um you know now they do completely original things but they still uh lean heavily on licensed material uh that seems to be their bread and butter but lately um they have been early adopters if you will into uh, this artist edition hardcover um, thing, which is, to me, in this era where we're we're mostly getting, uh, you know, most of comic books are moving toward um, kicking and screaming, of course, moving toward a digital format, except for um, these collected editions, where you know people still want to collect you know, a really nice coffee table book or whatever. Sure. Um, and uh, what IDW has done is these artist editions, like you described, and I bought one, and I actually bid on it for charity. Um, I, I was a big, um, still am a big uh, Walt Simonson fan, and they did one of Walt Simonson's run of Thor. Um, I think it's like seven issues, mid-'80s, like... Uh, when when Beta Ray Bill first shows up, um, oh yeah, and it's fucking <laughs> fantastic. Love Beta Ray Bill. Who doesn't? Come on now. Uh, <laughs> fucking Thor, he made him look like a bitch. Yeah, he did. I'm waiting for the mad satire to know what you're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that you know, once once that uh, you know Thor, uh, the the fourth movie or so, you know, he'll show up. And then there'll be a mad satire, and you'll know all about it. There you go. That's <laughs> I may be late to the dance, but I'll, I'll show get up there eventually. That's right. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I love those. They're fucking, and yes, they are fucking huge. 
Um, you know, your regular piece are of coffee table is what's that? I say they are coffee tables. Not, not that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. So they are bigger than a standard coffee table book. This is know? the book that Kramer is going to use for his book. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a standard Bristol board is eleven by seventeen. Um, mm-hmm. That's what most comic book artists draw on. Um, and these books are larger than that because. They're printing the entire, you know, edge to edge, um, the entire thing, you know, and of course you've got a hardcover that of course is going to extend slightly beyond that. So it's a big fucking book, heavy and really heavy paper. They're just beautiful. They're just, they're some of the best, uh, I don't know, archives or whatever that I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, if, if you, uh, if you're a true fan, you're not you're not going to be annoyed at seeing, like I said, the borders that are, that are pre-printed on the Bristol board. You know, you're going to, it's going to be part of the experience and you're going to, you can see the, you can see the, the penciling that the, that the artist did before there was ink, you know, and in some areas you could see where there's penciling that wasn't inked over. Uh, and that's, oh, and that's really cool. By 22. You can, yeah. Hmm. 15 yeah. by 22. And they also have a uh, Sergio Aragonez Gru artist edition. They do, yeah. And they have a Wally Wood one as well, who was, uh, who was one of Mad's first artists. Oh, right. There you go. He's more known for his science fiction right? back in the EC days, but he was, he was a key Mad uh, artist when it, when it first came out and went to magazine. You know, there were... And the interesting over... thing... The interesting, I, sorry to interrupt. The interesting thing with... Uh, the mad art. I actually, I actually got into collecting the mad artwork. Um, I don't, I don't have a full run of Mad magazine. Now there are a few here and there, but that I'm missing. But I, I got, I became interested in collecting the original artwork. Um, Sotheby's and Christie's over the years were, were, was having auctions of uh, the Mad vaults um, with with um, all the original art back back when Bill Gaines was running Mad. His policy was that uh, when he bought the artwork from an artist, he kept it. He, the artist did not get their artwork back. And that was, uh, that was a, for, for most uh, comic art for yeah, and, you know, that and it was only been the past twenty years that that wasn't the case. Exactly, exactly. And that actually that was one of the key reasons why Don Martin left Mad. It became a huge bone of contention for him. And, uh, but, but, you know, the attitude was, you know, on the flip side, I'm going to pay you more than anyone else in the business. Um, you're going to get terrific rates, but I get to keep the art. So, so what happened was, is that over the years they, they opened up the vaults and just started auctioning off all this artwork. And so I got into that and, um, to kind of tie into the, the artist's edition and how we were talking about, you were mentioning Bristol board and it's kind of the standard practice for, for comic artists to use, uh, you know, in, in looking at Mads artwork, um, I think earlier on when it was obviously when it was a comic, they used it, but, but even when it became a magazine, they would use some, uh, I think it was called craft tint. Was that, was that one of the papers they would use? Oh yeah. But, but, but in looking, I'm, I, I'm, I'm actually looking at some right now as we speak. I'm looking at a spot, you know, some of my original art to spy versus spy. It's it's nothing but a big piece of artist paper 
and everything is hand drawn. The borders are hand drawn. It's there's no pre-printed reference for these artists to work with, which which uh, I think I think is pretty cool. I think yeah, the, you know these guys started use it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> these guys worked literally from scratch. They had they had pure white paper when they uh, when they laid their ink down, and uh, I think that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That would be a hell of an artist edition is to print some mad artwork. Because that would be even bigger than uh, than the comic book because because the, the physical issue well, of mad is, is bigger. Hmm. So uh, so in, in, in more recent days, what what have been the, the, the best because uh, you know I, I have fallen out of it entirely I haven't I haven't read any sure. of it in forever um, you know in the past 10 years say um, you know who are the the big artists today um, and, and artists and writers and and what have been the most uh, I don't know influential <clears throat> um, articles that that you've read in, in recent days well uh, sorry I'll, I'll start this one Um You've, you've got a whole new crop of uh, artists coming up, and, and you know a lot, a lot have been around for maybe you know five, six years now. Um, Tom Richmond comes to mind immediately, and I think he's been around even longer. But his he uh, he's he's the new reigning champ, I guess, as far as as far as being published in Mad on a regular basis. Uh, he, jo- he joined in uh, two thousand. Two thousand. So he's basically represented two thousand onward as. One of their one of their key artists for the movie and TV parodies. He does a lot more than just that, but he seems to have. Uh, you know, oh, he did the, the 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 Dark Knight as an example of one of the more current ones. The Dark Knight mm-hmm. reprises. They, they've been and actually he's been hired to uh, do some some um, character outlines for uh, the, this mad cartoon that's on Nickelodeon now. So he's been working with that too, where, you know, I don't think there are any other mad artists who are double dipping, so to speak with the magazine and as well with this cartoon. So I guess that tells you he's, he's become the true representative of mad artists, but uh, yeah, there's uh there's an artist. I think he's from Brazil, Herman Mejia. Mm-hmm. If I'm saying that correctly. Familiar. Yeah, he's he's a terrific artist, and uh, he's been doing a number of covers. And he, he's actually started in the recent years. He's been doing some of the set movie satires, and uh, they in the writing. Uh, you know, Desmond Devlin's been around forever, but uh, well, when I say forever, in the last twenty twenty five years or so. But um, yeah, he's still spot on as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he's a he's a kid from the eighties. Started started out in the eighties. I think I think because of the the political times that we are in, uh, it's it's made life much easier for Mad to to satirize what's going on because you you just almost simply can't believe the things that are taking place now. It's and, and like I think, times are ripe. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You know. Uh, how can you how can you do any better than when you elect a clown like George Bush to come in and you know that's just no oh, I'm offended tell... Qu- don't 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 offend me like that well there you go so 
<laughs> but 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 you have to believe that Matt is just licking their chops at you know come on say something again say something else you know we oh yeah well <laughs> you know we don't I, I in maybe I was a kid before but it seems like you know you have like you know your your first edition George Bush your H W boring not all that thrilling for yeah. for a satire. Thousand and points it, of sleep, yeah. Right. <laughs> Not all that interesting. Doesn't matter. They don't care about him. You know, and you get into, you know, Bill Clinton, oh, the sex scandal, whatever. Personally, I give a shit less, but, you know, that's that's got a little bit of traction for them. But, you know, that's... A little bit. A little bit. But, but the truth not, is, you know, the economy was doing well. People are yeah. feeling good. You know, all right. I, the, only, the only concern in life is whether or not you're going to catch the latest episode of Friends, you know. Yeah, and then it's you, not, you get not, into the yeah. second uh, term of of uh, uh, George Bush Part Two. Yeah, and, and then you're like, hey, and then today, it's just it's just one thing after another, just crazy shit going on in the world. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, uh, I not think that all the crazy I, politicians. Well, that's just. Yeah. I mean, in a way, Mad Mad is competing against them for for uh, being comical. <laughs> but at the same time, can't it's write just, this stuff. It's <laughs> cannon fodder, and it was like that in the early seventies with with you know with Vietnam and Nixon and Watergate. Um, it was just ducks in a barrel for these guys because it was just unbelievable the events that were taking place. And I think we're we're in an era like that now, and so Mad. Has uh, has got a, a good thing going, as long as there are not good things going. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Yeah, profiting off of other people's misery. Definitely. So, uh, so, so beyond that, so uh, we've got no uh, specific, uh, you know, projected end date for for your documentary, but. Uh, you are still in full swing, and you you have uh, got some good funding through Kickstarter, so that's good news. Yeah, that's um, terrific. To where you can go and 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 uh, get the the content you're still missing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kind I kind of wish Kickstarter was able to give me what we most need, though, and that is time, uh, time time away time away from our day jobs. Sure. <laughs> That time... would have required a whole other level of fundraising to do that. <laughs> no, because that's the reality. That's the reality. The, I think the the funding is probably going to go more toward getting to where we need to to be in post production. Yeah. You know, I think we've got the the costs on the uh, the filming aspect of it. Alan somehow has worked that out at a very low cost. Must be because of his current job. But no, I'm just going to shoot it on an iPhone. It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, it's it's the post production that is the killer. Well, your trailer was awesome, by the way. You know, I Thank loved you. I, I loved those uh, titles and transitions. Um, you know, and you you had a, a lot of nice cuts from some very recognizable, you know, mad personalities. That's the goal is to get is to get the stories told by them. Um, yeah. I mean, we're definitely going to have some narration in this thing, but uh, the, the whole the whole point of this is to get their stories. And um, uh, we we actually like I, I was I was saying that you know I got I got tired of reading obituaries 
of these guys without ever having to record their interviews. And unfortunately, a couple of weeks ago, um, Bob Clark was a longtime mad artist. Um, he was a good a 40, too, 45 huh? years. Yeah, he passed away two weeks ago, and we he was he was essentially number one on our list of who to go and interview this summer, because we knew uh, he was he was getting up there. So, um, uh, kind of kind of uh, really taken back by that, upset by that, because uh, I mean on many levels, one obviously just to get his interview because he's important, but sure. but I, I truly felt that. He, among a couple others, were were people who were artists who were you'd see their work in every issue for a good forty five years, but but because they didn't do the the fold in or the spy versus spy or the the little marginal drawings at the tops, they didn't have that regular reoccurring feature that you know everyone knew their you know could attach that name to. Right. They were kind I, of unheralded. I, I, ironically. Uh... After Antonio Prohias passed away, Bob Clark took over a lot of those those duties. Yeah, he actually became the artist uh, for Spy for Spy for for many years. Anyway. But uh, but overall, I, I just you know he was one of the unheralded. I thought, and and uh, I really was hoping to let him tell his story and uh, and celebrate his contribution to Matt. But uh, we're just going to have to we're going to have to get that. From uh, from other people talking about him, unfortunately. Well, there we are. And on that high note, <laughs> so no, I have, I have a couple more things to yeah. to ask. Um, one is, I, I have. You guys would be the ones to know, I imagine. Um, it seems like like right after DC bought Mad or put their name on Mad. Yeah. Um, I thought I remember seeing uh, William Gaines at San Diego Comic-Con, you know, like in the DC booth. Did I just make that up? Was it someone else entirely? What did you, well? Uh... What, what, what year? Shit. Couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Bill, Gaines, Bill Gaines passed away in 93. Yeah. Uh, my my recollection would be that it was when uh, when San Diego Comic Con came to the new convention center, uh, but you guys probably haven't been. We have not. Uh, no, it's it's entirely it's entirely possible. I I I just through having seen pictures on the internet, I knew that he had attended. The, the con, an odd convention here and there, but um, as far as how it ties in with DC, I I, I don't know the the actual year DC came into ownership. But well, based, from my understanding, basically when when while Bill was alive, they they kind of had their autonomy. They were they had separate offices from DC Comics. They were still kind of uh, working as they had always been throughout the history of MAD. And, and once Bill passed away, uh, DC kind of came in and said, all right, we're bringing you in. We're, we're, we're bringing you into our offices, and you're going to work yeah. under our rules. And and, uh, and so chances are it wasn't him, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So here's my, my, my last thing for you, um, yeah. kind of a two-part. 
Um, Film-wise, what have you worked on before, and uh, do you have anything else in the works? I uh, co-wrote and directed a feature film a few years back called One Half Gone. Uh, It was all independently produced here in Michigan. And uh, it, we, we completed it, but we were unfortunately unable to sell it. So I played at a few festivals, but it never we've never been able to uh, get any distribution for it. So uh, one of the, one of my things that I need to do when I have a, a moment of time is to you know pursue like an online distribution format for it, just to get it out there because it's you know it's got it's I think there's a market for it. Um, you know we had. Uh, we featured uh, an actor named Larry Joe Campbell, who who uh, starred in that um, Jim Belushi series for quite a while, and he's been in a number of movies According since. According to Jim, According to Jim, yeah, and you know he was in uh, you know Wedding Crashers, and he's you know he's he's been in a you know kind of playing the sidekick in a bunch of movies lately, and he's you know he's done really well for himself, and so he was uh, featured in my film before he moved out to L.A. So I did that, and um, and actually right now I'm uh, in the middle of writing the screenplay adaptation of the of Al Jaffe's biography. Al Jaffe right. being the creator of the fold-in for Mad Magazine. Sure. And uh, his biography came out uh, two two and a half years ago, and his story, if you completely eliminate any reference to Mad, his 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 life story is just uh, fascinating beyond words, as far as I'm concerned. You need to find the book. It's called The Mad Life. Yeah, the, yeah Al Jaffe's, Al Jaffe's Mad, Life. Mad Life. Just a right. fantastic. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, real, real quick, um, basically, he, he grew up in the uh, Depression era in, 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 Atlanta, in Savannah, Georgia, to uh, upper-middle-class parents his father ran a department store and uh you know here's a kid living living an upper middle class life in in america and his mother who was a lithuanian immigrant just kind of out of the blue decides i'm taking the family back to lithuania and you know uh she tells the husband you can come with us if you want i don't care i'm taking i'm taking uh i'm taking my four children with me and so she does she takes them back and what was supposed to be a month-long trip turned into six years. And uh, essentially, you've got this riches-to-rags story where, you know, he goes from, you know, living a comfortable life in America to living in a third-world country where, uh, you know, everything is everything is backwards. Everything is, you know, middle age, you know, in terms of uh, living in the Middle Ages, in, you know, technologically-wise and... And uh, you know you've got the rise of Nazism coming in, so it it uh, I you know it's like Angela's ashes played backwards. I think it's it's just I thought it was just fascinating. So I'm I'm trying to adapt his story into a screenplay. Wow. Well, all right, guys. Um, so uh, you know the one other mad related sort of thing that I thought of recently. And I don't know, I think this came to me in a dream or in the shower or something recently. This is a challenge to our listeners. You're not in the shower right now, right? Yeah. Well, no, that would be weird. Okay. And yeah. dangerous. Actually, it would be all that weird, just just dangerous. 
I think um, you could be. I think you, you're you're in a marketing. You've got something there to market. You know, the first podcast live from a shower. Right. Well, <laughs> see, our sound is bad enough already. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, I thought about what if you could take, and this this is probably not uh, in your scope of understanding necessarily. But uh, are you familiar with ASCII art? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. So. My oh, thought yes. was, and I don't know why this came up in my brain, but I thought, oh, like a mad fold-in, you know, you take something that looks like something, and then you fold mm-hmm. it in, and it looks like something totally else. What if you had uh, some ASCII art, so you've got this string of characters, and when you put the line breaks at, you know, some certain number, whether it's 40 or, you know, some other number... Yeah, you've got you've got it at you've got it one length. It's at uh, you know it, the picture is something, and then you put it at another length. It's something completely different. So there you go. Hey, there it is. Just throwing crazy shit out <laughs> to our listeners. It's it's waiting for someone to take that and turn it into a million dollars. Right, right. I think there was a I think there was actually an issue of Mad in the in the mid '80s that came with. Uh, some programming, like you, you would physically have to type it into your your Commodore sixty four or whatever the hell you had at the time, nice. and it would print out it would print out an ASCII Alfred. So oh, very nice. Yeah, that just goes to show you that Mad was so far cutting cutting edge that they were uh, they were doing ASCII art. Yeah. And you know you can when, you you can subscribe to Mad on the iPad now. Oh, not bad. Uh, so that's uh, that's how they are staying cutting edge. Right, and of course they they do have uh, while they don't have lists uh, as ridiculously as might a cracked, no. um, they do uh, have a uh, you know a well updated site. So with you know so and they're they, trying and they've, they've got a, and they've got a crazy fan who makes his own list of all the contributors. <laughs> right, right. So uh, if you want to go to uh, uh, Doug Guilford's Mad Cover Site. Just go to madcoversite.com. Thank you so much. Yeah. And so we uh, look forward to more. Um, you know, even if it's just another uh, trailer. You know, here's trailer number two. Here's here's another teaser. It's still yeah, coming. That, uh, it's still on its way. <laughs> we have not just taken your money and gone to Mexico. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> right. Gotta gotta go that way. Well, and so con- congratulations on uh, the successful kickstart. I look forward to uh, seeing the, uh, the the full film, the full miniseries. <laughs> the full, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're gonna. Uh, we're going to make Roots look like it was a half-hour sitcom. We are we are going to have a Ken Burns uh, homage, aren't we? We didn't really get into that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have some fun with the whole documentary genre while talking about Mad in a documentary format. So yeah. we'll uh, we'll see how this plays out, but uh, so we're, this, we're chipping away. This episode has been brought to you by the new gang of idiots and uh is supported by viewers like you 
I mean listeners. Anyway, so Dune and Marianne, do you have anything coming up before we jump off? No. Dune's disappointed. He's got to retie his hammock. <laughs> we're, we're cutting into his napping time. Exactly. Oh, he likes his naps. He does. He's good at them. You need to Marianne. develop nap art. Um, I know this episode won't be up until after tomorrow, but uh, tomorrow is Hemlock Grove being released on Netflix, and that's kind of a big deal. Oh, yeah. So by the time this comes out, if you haven't watched it already, hey, it's already on Netflix. So lucky you. Watch that thing. Watch that thing. And it's I will. got, uh, you know, what's her name and what's his name from BSG. Candace McClure yes. and Aaron Douglas. Yeah, Chief and Captain Dwala. Dwala. Mrs. Apollo. With Dwala Dent. Anyway. So <laughs> That's Dula. Oh. I get that wrong all the time. Yeah, so for <laughs> Dune and Marianne and Doug and Alan and for Giant everything boom, geek pop culture, swag. I'm Kevin Goswan and this boom, is Comics Online. Swag. swag. Disclaimer. The opinions Giant expressed boom, in this podcast boom, may not represent those of Comics swag, Online, swag, any participants, swag, or any employers boom, past, boom, present, boom, or future. Boom, if you would have thought otherwise without hearing this disclaimer, maybe you're not ready for this whole internet thing, much less satire about satire. Or maybe you're instead one of our smart and sexy fans who appreciate foul language, the lighter side of Spy vs. Movie parody foldings, biting sarcasm, and everything geek pop culture. If you have comments or questions for the Comics Online podcasters, post on our Facebook page. Tweet us on Twitter, or email us at podcast at comicsonline.com. All original material in this podcast copyright Comics Online. Giant or boob. Swag a thousand times. Swag a thousand times. Swag a thousand times over. Even giant or boobs. Swag. 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 Swag, 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 from leaking tall builders to going off like gamma bombs. Put your internet browser to comicsonline.com.